The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Radio Tony. It's mid-morning here in Australia and evening in the USA, and I'm really glad to be back with you here on air. As many of you know, we've already um, had huge bushfires across Australia this season, and it's not even the end of summer. We're one of the hottest and driest continents in the world, and this summer we're suffering because of the magnitude of these bushfires. So first up this morning, I have... I'm talking to someone who's helping those bushfire victims in a real way. Ludwina Dobchek is the founder and CEO of the Room Exchange, an online platform that connects busy households with a spare bedroom with guests who provide an agreed amount of help, skills or knowledge in exchange for food and accommodation. Today, Luwina will be talking about how the Room Exchange is doing a call out to people with a spare bedroom who will be able to offer their room to people who have been displaced by bushfires. Welcome to Radio Tony, Ludwina. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be talking to you today, Tony. Oh, it's a great platform to discuss for discussing so many things and I'm really privileged to have you on the air with me this morning. I know that you're midway in a trip from Brisbane to Port Macquarie and for our US listeners, that's a journey of, what would you say, Ludwina? Oh, it's going to be about six hours, I think. (laughs) It's a nice long six-hour trek for Ludwina, so we've only got her for a short while. So can you tell our listeners this morning, how does the room exchange work? Yeah, well, generally in its usual um, process, it's a platform that connects households with a spare bedroom with guests who can provide assistance or help or skills or knowledge in exchange for food and accommodation. So we've identified that, you know, there's a lot of people with spare bedrooms. In fact, there's over 7 million unused spare bedrooms in Australia and they're in households that are generally quite busy and in need of particular skills or help. They're not interested in earning money for that room. They just, um, you know, they just uh, they often outsource so they might get childcare or, yeah. um, uh, you know, hire a gardener or things like that to sort of come into their home, which also costs them money, but have got a resource that's sitting there unused. And then we have a, a bunch of people in Australia who are looking to reduce their cost of living and are happy to offer 
skills, knowledge or um, help in exchange for food and accommodation. So we provide the, um, the, the platform which um, people can create a profile that, so that they can, you know, match with somebody that complements their personality and their values, et cetera. And we also have inbuilt vetting and verification processes in place. Yeah, so that was my next question. How do you verify the people who are offering the rooms to others? Yeah, well, we have partnered with Australia Post with their technology called Digital ID, and all of our hosts and guests have to have a digital ID for their profile to be 100% complete. So essentially, it's a driver's license or a passport. Um, You just use that number, and then as long as the information matches the information that you've provided when you register, then you'll be, then we can then prove that you are who you say you are. So we've got everything in place that we can in terms of being able to verify people on it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, because we want our guests to feel just as safe as we want our hosts to feel as well, and then everybody knows that they're on an equal playing field. What an exciting platform, Ludwina. So how long can people use Room Exchange for? Yeah, well, to use the Room Exchange, you can do it for short-term or mid-term, long-term. It depends. It originally started as a sort of mid-to-long-term accommodation solution because that's essentially I I was doing this myself for four years and you know I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life and it's just like oh this is a good idea and a bunch of people were saying this is a good idea and that's sort of how it started but then we've realized that there's a lot of people who don't need to exchange for long periods of time so we you can exchange for as little as a week or part thereof it's up to you so you can use the platform on a casual rate for a weekly so you know you might have a garage that's been sitting there for a year and you need it desperately sorted out but you just don't have the time to do it so you might think well I'm happy to have feed and house someone for a week can you come and do my garage for me you know or it might be that uh your the school holidays are coming up and instead of um your children going to um, holiday care you might have somebody come in and say look can you look after my kids in the two weeks of the holidays and then we'll let you stay here for a month you know, so we've got kind of an equation. It's, we work out yeah. roughly two hours a day or 14 hours a week is a fair exchange of food and accommodation, or you can do just 10 hours and then just have accommodation. Like it's really up to the host and the guest oh, to kind of negotiate right. the value, yeah, of what they're offering. Because some skills have got a higher value. So, for example, I'm an artist, so, you know, I might say, look, you know, let me stay at your house for two weeks and I'll paint an abstract piece for your living room. So to me that value would be, you know, of equal that would be a value to me. So it just depends. Every um, Everything that people do has a different sort of value attached to it. So the host and the guests negotiate that and they go from there. Yeah. So we've got some questions coming in, Louina. Harper wants to know, do they have this arrangement in the States as well? Uh, look, we have a lot of people from around the world. In fact, I think we have registrations in 45 countries. So um, we are definitely coming to your neck of the woods. What I'd recommend is that you jump on the platform and um, uh, just register. Put up in the chat box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just register that um, you're from the US so that when obviously the more people that we get that sign up that say that they're interested from outside of Australia, the sooner we'll actually get over to your country. So please definitely do that. And um, when we're ready, we'll let you know. And Amy's saying that uh, this is a furniture shop in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, the room, the, the room exchange is actually spelt with the letter X. There's no E on yes. it. So the room, letter exchange.com is our URL for um, yeah. our website. So um, I'm going to put up as well. Yeah, yeah. So no E on exchange and then um, you'll definitely find us. 
So, Luguina, your main the main reason we wanted to chat on the show today was to talk about all the work you're doing with um, Australia's bushfire victims um, who are suffering horrendous uh, issues uh, being affected by the bushfires. So, can you tell us about that incentive? Yeah, well, yeah. So, I'm from Melbourne, and I, my husband and I've been on a road trip up to Brisbane and as you said we're on our way back now and yeah. you know seeing the devastation of the fires um as we're driving up the freeway just because it hadn't affected us in terms of location where we live yeah. and we hear about it but it's really only until you sort of see it and you see the smoke billowing sort of in the distance and and you know often on holidays you kind of get a bit of a clearer head and I was thinking I wonder yeah. how we can help you know because everybody is doing so many people are doing such amazing things and, you know, if we can do what we can with the resources that we have, then, you know, it makes it um, a bit more comfortable for people and and this is a resource that we have. So I thought, well, what, what if we actually activated people on social media to offer a room, um, if they can, for people who are displaced by the bushfires, usually there's a fee attached to our service, obviously, because we're a business, and but we're happy to actually offer that for, for, for free and we're actually even to incentivise people to offer their homes. We're going to offer them a year, 12-month free use of the platform for hosts who actually do that. So, um, And then obviously guests um, who or people who need that accommodation, what I've, um, what I've wanted to do, so instead of directing, sending them directly to the website and just going through the normal processes, yeah. if you do have a room, if you could just shoot us an email, host at the room letter exchange.com, or if you're in need of accommodation, guest at the room letter exchange.com, and then we will handhold you through the process. And we've got a matchmaking service, it's a premium yeah. service that we usually offer our hosts that we're actually going to offer people so that, um, yeah, because it's a very sensitive time in their life and they'd be it very, is. you know, yeah. And I just don't want them to sort of feel like they don't have any human connection in this process. So if they can go down that route, what we'll do then. So we're calling out on social media. I did a post it just a couple of days ago. Yeah. on our Facebook page and it'd be great if everybody could go there and please share that post. It's actually pinned to the top so you can't miss it. Um, and maybe you might be able to put the link to that post as well um, um, in the chat there. But um, the it actually talks about what what we're offering. We've had uh, about 120 shares or something just in a couple of days. So people are spreading the word out and that will help. So if you if you know people who've got a spare bedroom, if you could just share that out. And if you know people who do need um, somewhere to stay temporarily, you know, while they get back on their feet, please. And look, when I get back to Melbourne, I'm going to offer my home in Point Cook. I've got a, um, a guest room that's got a queen size bed and wardrobe and you know, whoever needs to stay there, a couple or whatever, or a single person can stay for as long as they need um, uh, to get back up on their feet. So I'm happy to do that as well. Um, so I really encourage other people, if they've got a spare bedroom or even if they've got, we've had somebody offer a three-bedroom fully furnished apartment um, wow. to a family. So, you know, if you've got a holiday house that's maybe sitting empty or, you know, if you've got one or two spare bedrooms, and you're in a position to be able to help, please, if you can, that'd be amazing. Obviously, we won't, you know, expect our guests to kind of be helping out while they're sort of sorting out their life. This is just and a they're gift. Traumatized as well. They're traumatised. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, definitely people, if they can just send emails to either of those email addresses. And, look, it was just, as I said, it was just an idea I had three days ago, so I'm kind of still working through, you know, yes. um, 
how that will all pan out. But as I said, we'll hold, what you know for sure is that you'll be covered by our um, $5 million public liability insurance policy. You'll get a customer Thanks. care support. There won't be any fees charged for the exchange. So it's our gift to the community to help in any way that we can. Um, uh, everyone will be vetted and verified as usual. So it's not just a ad hoc set up our system is actually set up to ensure safety and security for everyone um and you know and then we'll go from there so um you know people can just head over to our social media platform we also have a facebook yes. group that we've set up called yes. exchange with a letter x exchange revolution yeah yeah and people, we've just started that group this week so people can please join the group as well because we can have a lot more conversation you know i was thinking the other day i've, I've set up a pop-up shop at my home to sell a bunch of clothes and things i don't need anymore i was thinking there's got to be a bunch of women who could do with those clothes more than i could do for the few bucks that i could get from it you know from facebook yeah, marketplace right. so there's things that we can all do that if we can share and have a chat in that group and sort of share what resources that we have available to be able to you know support other people would be fantastic and you know, it, it's important to, and I just want to say this because it's been an interesting experience this week. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are taking advantage of yeah. this these um, circumstances, which is awful. So there's been offers that are being put out that aren't legitimised. And um, if I just want people to know that this is, you can go to our platform, it's a legitimate offer. If you email directly to us, that's why we're not doing this as a marketing exercise. We're not saying go to the website and sign up. Yeah, just come directly. I will be the one who will um, help through this because yes. I will want to make sure that everybody's um, cared for. So um, just be mindful that, you know, we want to help um, and we'll do the best that we can with the resources that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ludwina, before we run out of time, um, just just an answer to Henry. Yes, the, fl the fires in Australia are still going. Um, they are still at crisis point and still very dangerous. And, Lorena, before I get you off air, Hedy wants to know, do you have the same per, uh, service for pets as well as humans? I or is can't, that an individual, no. individual thing? Look, I think it will be an individual thing. It's not um, something that, I mean, people can, you know, as a guest can go to someone's house and help look after their pet. But in this particular circumstances, I know there's a lot of pets that are displaced as well. Um, yes. If you do have a pet and you are inquiring, we can ask the host if they're happy for you to bring your pet. But, you know, again, yeah. that'll just be up to them. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Ludwina, I know that you need to get back on the road, so I'm going to try and do that for you now. But just so everyone gets very clear, um, I've put the links up in the chat box of Skype and if you are willing to host the email is host at the room x x for crop marks dot com and room at room exchange no 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 guest guest at the room oh, exchange I'm so sorry yeah yes. no that's all right host that's that or guest that yeah yeah excellent um, Lorena, thank you so much for coming on Radio Tony to this morning. Um, we're going to go and pop on a little break now. And when we come back, we have the delightful Rhonda Dixon to tell you about her journey in writing. Safe travels, Ludwina. Um, those links so are all up in the chat box now. Thank you so much for coming on the show this morning. I know you're incredibly busy and uh, organising help for the bushfire victims across Australia. Thanks, My Ludwina. Pleasure. Thank you. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Join Tony Long.
Montes, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. Welcome back, everyone. And whilst we're waiting for the lovely Rhonda to join us online, just a little bit more about uh, Rhonda. She completed a Diploma of Family History through the University of Tasmania and is excited about assisting others to research their stories of their ancestors. She holds a BA Honours from the Griffith University and her thesis entitled The Transformative Effects of Steam Locomotive in English Literature combines her two passions of literature and steam engines. Rhonda has co-written three books um, on assisting children with autism spectrum disorders to communicate more effectively and a children's picture book which illustrates how amazing elderly people can be. In 2018, Rhonda participated in an author expo which accumulated in the writing of the compilation book Get Known to Be Seen, How to Write Your Book and Leverage It, in which each author's story is documented as a chapter. Rhonda also writes for two uh, local publications, The Sandgate Guide and The Redcliffe Guide. After many years of concentrating on family and dreaming of writing, she's now thrilled to be primarily immersed in words and research, working on uh, or in any uh, form of writing. Uh, Rhonda is Rhonda Valentine Dixon, and whilst we're trying to get her live on the show... So, Rebel, we might, instead of waiting for Rhonda, we might pop on to our song for this morning. And whilst we work out what's happening with Rhonda, over to you, Rebel. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audio formats, Resilience is a true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Tough conversations on the social and moral issues of our time with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Radio Tony on W4WN. I came from the drink time, from the dusty red soil place. I am the ancient heart, the keeper of the flame. I stood upon the rocky shore I watched the tall ships come For 40,000 years I've been The first Australian I'm a teller of stories I'm a singer of songs I paint the ghostly guns I am Clancy on his horse 
Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. 
Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, Discovering a Woman of Strength and Beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, Discovering a Woman of Strength and Beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony, experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. Hello, listeners, and you're listening to Tony Lontis live on Radio Tony. And we've got Rhonda after a few technical issues back on the show. And so before we went on the break, I was telling you about Rhonda and her love for writing and all the publications that she writes for currently. So how are you this morning, Rhonda? Oh, I'm a bit stressed. This technology does my I head know. in. <laughs> I, I was just going to say it's a little stressful sometimes getting people live onto our show and it's not meant to but it just sometimes works that way. So we're yes. all good now and I'd love to start today by telling our listeners what inspired you to become a writer. Well, when I was very young, I recognised that I loved language very early and writing was a compulsion that was always there. Um, Whereas I I think many people would say that they want to write. Um, If they don't, then perhaps it's the discipline they lack or not exploring their options is an issue. Yeah. But when I was young, my challenge was that I didn't have the confidence to write seriously until life's experiences compelled me to. Yeah. Um, as a child, I simply wrote poetry and letters, and it was the safest way of expressing myself. Yeah. And luckily for me, the recipients of my words were kind and encouraging in their responses. Yeah. Um, But when my children were born with neurological challenges, the best way for me to become their advocate was with the written word. So speaking about what I wanted for my children could easily reduce me to tears and government departments don't respond favourably to emotions. So, um, I mean, it was the government departments that I was requesting help from. So. I wrote many letters on my children's behalf and as a result of some successes that I had, other families began asking me to write letters for them as well. And um, sometimes I was so incensed by the injustices that other families, um, that happened to other families that I actually offered to write letters for them. Yeah. So eventually that led to the writing of a book about how to get your autistic child into school and the book was co-authored by four other mothers and me. Together we'd experienced all the different types of schooling that Queensland offered. Yeah. Um, yeah. But telling 
so we had a lot of experience, but telling one family at a time was too time consuming. So writing a book was the easy option. So um, okay. we, we self-published and left the book with what was then the Asperger's Syndrome Support Network. Um, and it sold out but was never reprinted because the education department changed the way it ascertained the needs and how it funded the children. But the good thing was that uh, the proceeds of that book went to autistic families, so that was good. Fantastic. So how long ago was that, Rhonda? And That, that was in 2003. Yeah, so not that long ago, but mm. Education Queensland has changed in the way that it educates our autistic children? Well, you would hope so. the way that it so. assesses them? Beg your pardon? At the way that it educates them or the way that it's, it assesses their educational needs? Is that what has changed? Yes, that's changed, changed. Yeah. yes. Yes. Okay. So bef uh, before we move on, how old are your children now? My children are 28 and 29. Meredith's going to be 30 this month. Okay. So they've gone on, gone through their education and are now living their lives, yeah? yeah well, well, um, Meredith became an RN yes. um, and, and Lindley is still with us and yes. still doing volunteer work. Yes. So does he go out and volunteer every day or just certain days of the week? He's supported by a local organisation to um, do volunteer work yes. on different days of the week. He'll do different things on different days. So he uh, washes cars for a church organisation on one day. He'll pack for a factory on another day and so on. So... He's just and got various do you various activities to, that he does. Sorry, love. Do you um, have to find those uh, avenues for him to do work or is that something that the government helps you with? No, we do that with the organisation that supports him. Yeah. So we'll both come up with ideas. We meet with the staff regularly and uh, come up with ideas about what he can do. Yeah. Um, and will he need you for the rest of his life due to his autism? I beg your pardon? Will he need you uh, in his life for the rest of his life or is there yes. a view that at some stage, so he, you can't reasonably expect that he will ever be have the capacity for independent living? We hope that he will live independently with other young people like him with support. We've even got the families chosen that yeah. we want him to live with um, and they will have support. But he's too vulnerable. Um, he would attract predators because at 28 he's likely to burst into song skipping along the street. Yes. yes. So he's just too vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going a little bit off topic here, but I'm really interested in your experience with um, autistic children, young adults and adults. Do you feel yes. that there is enough assistance for our autistic population or is it something that there's always a struggle with? 
there's always a struggle with it. However, there are some absolutely wonderful people in the community working with our children in all sorts of capacities. Yeah. So um, it's the quality that's there, but just not, they're not, um, they're not supported enough, certainly not in schools. The schools, I do sometimes still have dialogue with the high school that Lindley went to, and they are saying they've got more children each year and less funding, and they still try and make it work. They're just amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Rhonda, Kelly has a question and she wants to know, do you find the education is better and in other countries or uh, is it the same across the world generally from your experience? I don't know of any country that gets it totally oh. right, mm-hmm. but there, there are... Um, there are wonderful things happening in all countries and there are um, other countries that are looking to Australia, looking to the US. There's just some wonderful things that are happening out in the yes. world, but just not enough of it, I guess. Yeah. People are still falling through the cracks. Yeah, yeah, which is not not good. Um, I do understand that as you age your worry about your son will increase no doubt Rhonda um I try not to think about that I do know that his sister loves him dearly and in fact despite all her challenges she became a nurse she said to me because she's very creative and I said Meredith why a nurse and she said because of my brother mummy so um she will be there for him um and also we've got a a network of valuing people around us those women that oh when we wrote which school together we stayed very close and we support each other and um emotionally and uh it's just a loving network of people that we have surrounded ourselves with, not just friends, but the carers as well. Carers come and go, of course, but there'll always be someone that resonates with your young person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've digressed and I want to get back onto your life as a writer. Um, yes. And <laughs> is there a particular genre that you like to write about and if so why yes um i possess a strong sense of social justice and i have i also have a love of history and a desire to tell the stories of others so um to me it feels fantastic to be able to put these qualities together when i write people's stories are their legacy just as much as their accomplishments are so um uh, there are two areas that I've fallen into. I, I co-write resources um, for autistic children and I write the stories of others. The first reason is because the resources are needed and the second reason is that the stories of others can give us as much and more um, as any good novel can. We learn, we learn from the lives and experiences of others or we can be inspired into positive action in our own lives by their stories. Um, 
um, and and why do I write? Because it it gives others pleasure. I, I remember in my early teens on a hill in the Manawatu in New Zealand, my cousin Cheryl said to me, never stop sending your poetry to me. So mm-hmm. I sent her those of my poems that I thought merited reading by others, and eventually we lost touch as we expected might happen. And 50 years after she said that, I reconnected with her and I was at her home in Wellington a couple of years ago and she bought out an envelope which contained every poem that I'd ever sent her. And I'm telling you that story because it gives me so much pleasure that my words can be pleasurable to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So all the education that you've done, what was most helpful with your journey in writing? Well, I've got a diploma in family history, so that was wonderful in terms of getting me to write in small, concise amounts because assignments were relatively small because there were often a 1,000 people in the class. That was done online. Um, so that was that was brilliant. And research, that was great for research. And I also have an honours degree in literary studies in which my thesis was the transformative effects of the steam locomotive in English literature. So I combined my love of my background, my railway background, and my um, love of literature. And um, uh, so just the passion that uh, that I get from writing, um, and so my education has helped with that. Fantastic. And what are you doing at the moment? Are you writing something particular at the moment? Um, a number of projects on the go. Yeah. And uh, one of them, and the one that I'm working on um, absolutely at the moment, is um, the biograph- biography of two little girls who grew up in an orphanage in Melbourne in the 1950s. And so um, it was. it's a story of horrendous abuse and um, exploitation and I just feel that it's Australian history. It's a story that needs to be told, and it's cathartic for the two sisters who are now in their seventies. So um, that's a very, uh, it's a remarkable story. And I've also written another children's book, um, which is ready to go to the illustrator. Uh, all these stories are true. Even the children's books that I've written are true. And um, uh, I have another story that I'm going to immerse myself in which is the story of a steam locomotive that my father worked with in the 1950s and I've made contact with the wonderful uh, retired railway men back home in Taranaki who've retrieved the engine after it was 46 years uh, buried deep in our hometown because it derailed in torrential rain so um yeah, so those those are some of the projects I've got on the go. Um, before we get on to the next question I have for you, Rayol wants to know how would a parent prepare to take care of a child for life? It's a wonderful question. Well, we Rayol. went to, we went to a lawyer who was um, conversant with disability and the law. Yes. And we set in place uh, testamentary trusts and things like that. 
Um, I don't know where the questions are coming from, but they would need to go to the law in their region and find out how to do that. Uh, we did that before I went home to Taranaki in 2017 because I had a goal to climb the volcano in my province. Yes. And um, in case I <laughs> didn't <Had> return. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, um, I... I I, uh, I did return, of course, and um, I also underestimated my fitness level yeah. and didn't get to the top of the volcano, but I got to the, the um, foot of the cone, so that was brilliant. But, yes, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, really go, to the, go to the... Um, sorry, Rhonda, it's really about um, thinking about what would happen to your child if something happened to you in the short and long yes. term and then surrounding yes. yourself with people who can support you on that journey and then it would be learning and researching as much as you can about your individual child's diagnosis, yeah? Yes, but also going even back further, a step further, as a parent you've just got to accept that your child has differences that the world may not want to deal with. Um, a lot of parents never get through the grieving process. To be able to deal with these issues of later in life, you've got to accept the challenges and go out of your comfort zone to deal with them. I was a, um, a withdrawn, I suppose, kind of person. Um, and you you really have to come out of your comfort zone and and advocate for it. You can't just put it on the back burner and hope it'll go away. It will not. It'll get worse. Back to your life as a writer, Missy wants to know, do you find it easy to write books? Oh, absolutely. It, it's my passion. Writing is my passion. And surrounding yourself with other writers um, is inspiring. Can I talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, I participated in an author expo in 2018. Um, there were 15 women involved in the project, a, a publisher, Deborah Fay and a videographer, Melly Stewart, and a writer mentor, Trish Springsteen, brought 12 of us women together who'd each written one or more books. And after presenting to the live audience on the reason for writing their books and different women wrote it as a like a business card to give out to tell people about their business or they wrote it um, to grieve through a tragedy Um and so on. And um, the book was called Get Known, Be Seen, How to Write Your Book and Leverage It. And, and we, uh, yeah, so a book segued from that, um, that presentation and uh, from that expo. And each author's story is documented as a chapter in the book. Um, Deborah Fay likes to publish real stories by real people about things that matter. And she gives a voice to aspiring authors and helps authors to make peace with their stories. So that gives you an idea of how emotional that particular journey was. And um, 
in 2005, Anna Tullemans, who was one of those mothers that wrote Witch School with me, uh, she and I wrote How to Stop Your Words from Bumping into Someone Else's, which is a resource to help primary-aged autistic children to communicate in school. Sorry? Yeah. Anna is one of the mothers. Oh, yes, I said that. Um, I I don't have um, overseas shipping established on my website yet, so if people were interested in that book, they could either go to Anna's website or um, email me. Um, um, I'll put Rhonda's details in the chat box just for the listeners. I've got okay. her email address and her website. Yes, it's in the chat box for our listeners right there for them so they can uh, talk to you directly if they would like to. Sorry, Rhonda, okay. go on. No, that's quite all right. Um, I'm all over the place. Um, I've got some notes here, but I'm all over the place. Um, uh, I've all, the children's, children's book that's on the market at the moment is yeah. a, a delightful true story about the oldest lady in our Tai Chi class. She's 98 <clears throat> and still doing oh. Tai Chi weekly with us. And um, this children, I wrote that to to give small children or children in general an idea that elderly people can be very valuable and um, they can, and they look, can. it's just it's just lovely seeing her response to that too. Uh, Elska is um, she feels like a celebrity. <laughs> it's just beautiful seeing her response. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda, um, what do you think has been one of the most challenging aspects of your writing journey? What's one of the things uh, that's finding been, time and been really hard to do? Yeah. Finding time in a quiet space, of course, but fortunately these days the Queensland Writers' Centre offers its members a room on Fridays and um, there's often more than two dozen writers taking advantage of this opportunity um, every Friday and I'm determined not to miss any writing Fridays this year. And similarly, the Brisbane Writers' Group offers a space to its members on Tuesdays and these rooms are both within the Queensland State Library. In fact, the Queensland Writers' Centre is led by a dynamic writer called Laurie J. Ellis, and she's determined that many libraries throughout Queensland will eventually come on board with this great initiative. So um, at home, the demands of family life often interrupt people's writing. For me, technology is an issue as well. It just isn't something I am ever envisaged getting into, but you have to if you want to market your work. And I'm a bit better than I was a year ago. I wasn't terribly stressed about getting, well, I was a little bit stressed. <laughs> but <laughs> I struggle with technology because exploring it is time-consuming and something else in life generally suffers while I'm on the computer not being very productive. <laughs> <laughs> and marketing is a bit of a struggle for me too because I've spent oh, it's a struggle for me too Rhonda oh, it's like absolutely a, I mean I spent 25 years with. immersed in in the children and then when I came out of that still with a passbook for my bank <laughs> the world yeah. had changed business yeah. had changed I was I mean people are giving books they've written as their business card I mean it's just extraordinary so yeah marketing Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and blocks, yeah, Sorry. the roadblocks. Yeah, well, uh, tiredness for me. I mean, brain yes. doesn't kick into gear if I'm tired. But 
also until I went to hear um, author Tina Clark, who writes under T.M. Clark. Um, she, I didn't really know how to plan my work. Um, there are two types of writers, for those of the listeners that don't know. Um, there's a, plot, a plotter and a pantser, and I, <laughs> team, I tend to... I tend to be a pantser, and a pantser is a person who writes by the seat of their pants. So uh-huh. Tina uh-huh. has has taught me about um, planning and plotting. So my goal this year is to take heed of some of Tina's words and to learn to plan. So, um, but um, um, a lot of people inspire me. Good writing inspires me. So if I want to write on war, for instance, I'll read Wilfred Owen to get my head into the zone because he was there in the trenches in World War One, and he wrote beautifully about the experiences. Um, and if I want to write something lyrically, I'll turn to Dylan Thomas. I'll read Dylan Thomas before I write. Yeah. Um, Charles Dickens and Jane Austen inspire on people and place. They were great observers of the intricacies of life. Yeah. Um, so if you want to write well, you must read good writing. And life inspires too. Um, I tend to see stories everywhere and and particularly living with autism, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the stories are everywhere. Yes, yes. Um, and people have been helpful to me. The writing community is one of the most um, generous um, communities I've ever come across. Um, every established writer I listen to is helpful. Uh, Kathy Hoopman and Andy McDermott come to mind. Um, indie publishers I've worked with, such as Deborah Fay and Ocean Reeve, are um, helpful. And the impi- opinions and encouragement of other writers are valuable because they've been there and done that. Um, Richard Marmon, Richard Dockett, who's in Devon in England, Jenny Woolsey, a local writer, Karen Tyrrell, Sally Eberhardt, Di Riddell and Julie Miller, all dynamic writers, uh, local women, just wonderful people. And after um, completing your first draft or whenever you're ready for other eyes to see it, you should give your work to beta readers, and these are people who will give honest, constructive feedback. They might even be writers also writing in your favourite genre. I've chosen people to read about my two little girls that are um, a, a Leslie McConnell is a psychotherapist and Kelly Cox is a psychologist. So you can see by their occupations that the raising of children in orphanages, which were austere and isolated, um, where they weren't valued, in fact, regularly abused, is a subject close to the hearts of these two women. Kelly's also a writer writing under Kelly M. Cox, and she's just released her first psychological thriller. And Leslie has written a children's book on about domestic violence, explaining it's a story about domestic violence for children, which is extraordinary. And yet, yeah. so the opinions of both these women are valuable because they enhance my perception of, of the situations I'm writing about and they put a different and, pro- and professional perspective on things. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and also 
don't forget an, a manuscript appraiser. When you feel you've got your work ready for more eyes than your beta readers, you progress to a manuscript appraiser. And my manuscript appraiser is Josie Montano, who's written over 60 books in 20 years. So you can imagine the um, valuable feedback she will give. Uh, I should mention too that if you are writing and you're hurt by the feedback that people give, then you're not ready to publish, I feel. You've got to take on board the opinions of those who've been before you. Um, I don't do everything Josie suggests I do, but I certainly see the value in what she's telling me. Um, And and as far as people inspiring you is concerned, um, it's inspiring working with other authors as well. And Anna Tullemans and I have known each other for well over 20 years and we have very different life interests and experiences. But when it comes to writing on autism, we inspire each other. We bounce off each other and we often end up in absolute laughter because we realise the mistakes we've made in our early drafts or we reflect on the poignant or hilarious things that we've experienced living with autism. Our sons present differently on the spectrum so so we can write from a dis- different perspective, um, a, a wide range of experiences. And another person who's been incredibly helpful to me and to Anna is Christina. She's a quiet, achieving teacher aide working every day with high school kids on the spectrum. And uh, she's looking at the work that we're currently working uh, writing together, which is a book for high school students. And um, Christina's looking at the language we use because if um, autistic kids don't, if the language doesn't resonate with them, there's a likelihood they'll reject the book. Yes, I can. So, so that's helpful for you in what you're writing at the moment. Um, is there anything else that you love to do besides writing? Yes, I teach crocheting in Brisbane for a Sydney firm, so I, I do love uh, crocheting, although I'm not doing anything for myself at the moment. I'm um, um, crocheting for the homeless at the moment, just blankets and that sort of thing. But um, And also work has asked me if I will start teaching bird nests because of the current climatic situation we've got happening here so in Australia. You say bird nests? You mean actual... A big pardon? What do you mean when you say bird's nest? Do you mean the actual bird's nest, the twigs and... Yes, uh, oh. little crocheted bird nests. Yes, and and um, and I I love sewing and I've made, been making joey pouches oh, yes. and I'll find, I'll find somewhere to send those off to as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I do love sewing and downstairs I have what I call uh, my... There's a room downstairs that I call my fabric and yarn warehouse. (laughs) If I have to um, ever sell this house, I shall have to take all my craft stuff out of it, put it into storage and set the rooms up as bedrooms because um, people would shake their head if they walked into my home as it is now. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm really glad to hear that you're doing something for... Can you still um, hear me? 
I can hear you perfectly. You are perfectly on air, uh, Rhonda. Um, I was I just find it difficult that to hear you. You're right. We're just about out of time. Um, Jeanette wants yes. to say, I have many craft things as well. So Jeanette, um, one of our listeners, has got a huge big room full of craft. I'm really happy to hear that you're doing the, the bird nest crochet and the joey pouches. Um, our listeners are aware, but there's some predictions saying that 500 million animals have been lost in this bushfire season either as a direct result of the bushfires or the lack of food that follows or the lack of places to raise their young so it's wonderful that you're doing that Rhonda um and we are out of time okay yes we are all we are almost out of time. Thank you so much for coming on Radio Tony this morning. I'm really sorry that we struggled with our technology this morning, but um, it's okay. People understand that these things don't work perfectly, particularly when you're alive. Um, I'm going oh, to let you go. It's just amazing. Jeanette wants to know: Do you sell the nest? and the pouches in relation to your uh, crafts for animals. I'm sorry, I missed the first um, part of that question. Uh, Jeanette wants to know, do do I have a pattern? And Joey pouches, and do you have a pattern? Yes. So I'm going to put your email address in the chat box for Jeanette. Again, so that Jeanette can see it easily and she can send you an email and you two can converse about that. That um, would be wonderful. I'll definitely do that. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. It's been a pleasure. I'm so sorry we struggled with the technology, but that is sometimes what it is and it's been, we've had a wonderful conversation despite that. Um, So Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I will talk to you again soon. Bye for now, Rhonda. You will indeed. Okay, bye-bye for now. Bye, everybody. Bye, Rhonda. So we are back with Kerry Hort-Rowe from Brain Thinking, our awesome show sponsor and a regular on this show. Uh, Kerry is a businesswoman the CEO of Brain Thinking. She's also a mother, a hair and beauty specialist, and it's really great at the beginning of this year to have Kerry back on the show with us. Welcome back to the show, Kerry. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm good. Just a little busted. We'd have a bit of technical issue this morning, but we've sorted it all out now and onward and upward. I know you've had a busy festive season. You had some international visitors and family from the US? Yes, I did. Yes, they're from Texas. Ah, Texas. See, Texas is definitely one place in the US that I'd really love to go and see. Shout out to anyone who's listening from Texas today. And the other thing that you had whilst you were on holidays was you had a nasty fall and ended up in hospital. I did, unfortunately. It was, um, I, I have a problem with one of my knees. I've had a couple of reconstructions on it and every now and then it goes out from under me and I really try and be careful where I go. And when my husband comes home, when I'm working from home, myself and my dog will go and meet down the bottom of the 
property, sit on a chair underneath this beautiful tree and wait for him to come home. So instead of walking around on the driveway, I went down on the stairs. But the bush that goes over, over it sort of like a nice archway, was um, overgrown. And I went on the side of it and I slipped and fell and I couldn't get up and I had to wait for him to get home. And I didn't end up doing any damage, but I did have a hard fall, they said, and I jarred every part of my body and I couldn't move. I was, I've never been so sore in my life. So I felt very old. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, Kerry is not old, just for the record. (laughs) She just managed to have one of those horrible falls. (laughs) So I was speaking with Kerry yesterday afternoon and we were talking about some of the plans that Kerry has in 2020. And I thought that today we'd talk about those. And first up, um, I want to talk about your new HBDI group. Um, And for those who are new listeners today, I'll get Kerry to briefly tell us what HBDI is again. So HBDI is understanding your thinking pattern. It's like a map. It maps out your thinking. And our thinking comes from when we're children. And as we grow, our thinking expands more but our way of thinking still stays the same. So I actually help map it out so that when you make decisions, you can make calculated, correct decisions and not make wrong decisions when you're under pressure. So um, I've been um, actively doing HBDI in my life for uh, about 15 years, but I became a practitioner about five years, six years ago, and I just love it. So I do a lot of um, mentoring where I will mentor the owner of the business and do a seven to eight week um, modules going through so that they understand them, their business, why they make the decisions they do and how it impacts their staff, the way they um, operate the business, the way they do the, the analytical and the money side of things, the way they advertise. And it helps them to actually raise their bottom line, become a better boss They become a better workmate. They become better with their um, lifestyle and planning and home. And so what I've done is that over the last several years, I've done a few of these and I've created a little hub, which is just for my group, of that the owners can now get in and they can talk to each other about, you know, I've got this, you know, this situation, what do I do? And they'll go, oh, I think you need to go to the B section or you need to operate this. And so it's something that they can now chat and talk amongst themselves because when you're the owner of a business, whether you're a a sole trader or whether you're a CEO, it's lonely at the top. And we need to have people that we can understand our thinking. Yes, yes. Do you find that um, CEOs use the HBDI product in their companies? Absolutely. It is um, very well known in the corporate world, um, around the world. Um, A lot in America use it um, throughout, or I think it's in about 102 um, countries. Um, It's been going for many, many years, and it's one of the um, the greatest tool that you can have. It's the like the core of your thinking. And then from there you get DISC and, and uh, Myers-Briggs and all the others that, that all help relate. And they're all absolutely fantastic for what they, they do. But I'm taking this to small businesses 
because often small businesses don't have the tools that they need and they often think, oh, I can't afford that or that's corporate. No, you need to think corporate to be able to run a business regardless what size you are. So I've got a couple of um, uh, individual um, businesses that are sole traders and they are running with this. They're making so many great decisions. So with your um, last guest with the uh, autism, there is yes. the, um, which I've mentioned before, Shelley, who is enabling spaces. Now, she did the HBDI several years ago, and she is now one of the forefront people in Australia that is making um, decisions and helping design buildings for autism because the design of the houses aren't for um, people with autism because they think differently. And so she, because of what she's done and what she's learned as to how she thinks, she's now an international speaker and has been to Arkansas um, in a number of areas and she's doing great guns. Fantastic. Hmm. Um, I've just realised I... Uh, didn't copy the link for that your new HBDI group. That's that's fine. I was going to put that up. Um, no, no, will, we're not, no, we're not going to put that one up. No, we're not going to put that up. <laughs> I no. wanted to put up brain thinking instead. So on to your next big project and your work with young women that centres um, around some really exciting events for young women. So tell us about that, Kerry. Okay, so this one here is called uh, Everything Hair and Beauty. And it's designed around um, those that are around 14 to 18. And that's the most impressionable age of where as we grow, we know that uh, some are very um, mature at a young age and some yes. are, you know, not so mature at an older age. So unfortunately, a lot of the magazines and everything can be very, very impressionable regarding um, how they the young ones see themselves and so I like to get in and help them at, a, at an early age that they can actually understand why they make the decisions they do, are they making having their hair done because of peer pressure, um, are the hairdressers that they're choosing um, actually know really what they're doing, um, yes. there are a lot of hairdressers out there and, and they're all good in their area, so please don't take that the wrong way. But it's just that sometimes some are great for older women, some are great yeah. for younger ones. And I want to make sure that the young ones aren't peer pressured into what is into fashion. Yeah. So, so with going through, so what we do is that I go through and talk about the DNA, what antibiotics do, steroids, uh, the pill, um, there are a whole lot of things. What they actually do affect the hair when the hair, when the body is actually growing. And yes. there is a lot of that will have some foils done and the hair will start smoking. And I can tell automatically that they're on one of three products. Um, hairstyles. Is the hairstyle right that actually suits their hair? Um, we go into washing hair. A lot of people actually don't know how to wash their hair. I know it sounds so simple, but people don't know how. Um, what sort of shampoos is right for your hair? Salon versus um, supermarket. How to actually pick a right salon, um, you know, that will suit you. It's not always cost. It's not always what they look like. Um, some can look, you know, very basic and, and just okay. And they can be an amazing salon. But you can have a salon that looks absolutely spectacular 
but they may not be right fit for you. Um, So it's finding the salon that suits you. Um, When to start colouring your hair, makeup. Um, when models. should people start? Sorry, Kerry, that's just got my grabbed my interest. When should people start colouring their hair, or should they start colouring their hair? Well, that's entirely up to them. Yeah. So sometimes is that when you're colouring hair, sometimes people will do it because they they're peered into it. You know, all my mm-hmm. friends are having it done, so I need to have it done, or they're all having foils, so I want to have foils. Okay. Um, and it's standing up and teaching them to stand up for themselves. Well, actually, I don't need to have foils because my hair is actually doing this. So, you know, if they get a, a – uh, we used to have a lot of women would bring their daughters in and we would sit down and talk to them and say, okay, why do you want to have colour? They say, oh, my friends are having it. I go, okay, what colours are they having? And it might be someone who is already blonde and they're wanting to go, you know, the grey colours that, you know, that they're doing. And I say, well, actually – this actually won't work for you because it's actually going to cost a lot of money because you throw a lot of red. So you will actually put a colour in and it will probably last you half a week because you throw so much warmth that it's going to change. So you're better off having this, this or this. Um, There is also something to enhance your hair. So if you are a a mousy brown, sorry, excuse me, if you are a mousy brown, you might just want to have a semi or a demi colour put over just to give it some shine and make it look good and healthier. Um, And also telling them the difference between a permanent, a demi and a semi. I was Um, just going to say, I've never heard the terminology demi. What's a demi? A demi is half developed colour. So oh. it's it's between a semi and a permanent. So half the molecules are, are developed. So it'll last longer than a semi, but it won't last as long as a permanent. But it won't give you that full demarcation line like a, like a permanent colour does. So okay. that's really good when you're, like usually when the young girls come in, I always suggest a semi with just a couple of foils. That way it's not high maintenance. The parents aren't having to spend a fortune, yet the girls are feeling good. So they have an all-over colour, which is a semi. It enhances, looks after their hair. A couple of little foils just around the face line so that because what they see and they feel good, we put them in the right area for when they part their hair. And they feel wonderful. Mum isn't having to pay a fortune. The All the other girls go, wow, I love your hair, and it boosts their confidence mm-hmm. rather than doing a full head of foils, doing so many toners over the top to be able to get it so you've got the grey or um, that sort of um, colour. They're having to be um, high maintenance. They come into the salon every three, four weeks. And then they end up having arguments with their mum because they want to have it done, yet mum can't afford it. Um, They have the pressure of all those that can afford it and are having it done all the time. Yet, and the other thing is, is that because they're growing, it's actually damaging their hair. So there is a whole lot of things that we go through and saying, you can have this look without doing this. Uh Uh-huh. So, uh, Kerry, permanent hair colour, can you tell me how long it takes to grow out? So when we talk about permanent hair colour, we talk about that regrowth, don't we? Yes, that's correct. So permanent hair colour gets in and it will change the molecule on the inside of the hair so Uh that it will, um, you know, if you're um, a certain colour, you know, you're brown and you're wanting to go more of a red, then it will change that. 
over time with shampooing and conditioning, it yes. will fade because, right. you know, it, it's a, you're living, got a living, breathing, you know, hair and then you've got um, shampoo and conditioner and colour. So it will fade a bit. Plus it will grow out. Yes. Plus with the, the sun being on it, the wind, your blow drying, all of those. So it's permanently trying to change it. But yes. with what you do, it will fade. It also depends what shampoo and conditioner you use. So mm-hmm. a lot will have spend anything up to four or $500 having their hair colour done, done yes. but then they will go and buy a cheap shampoo and conditioner which has more detergent in it, which will actually fade their hair. So for the sake of an extra $10, $15, you're going to get the same shampoo and conditioner which is made by the same company that's made the colour and will hold your colour longer, usually by a couple of weeks. Okay, okay. So I know people's hair grows at a, a different rate, but what's the average grow out for permanent hair colour? Um, on To get your roots done, it really does vary. On average, it's usually about half an inch to three quarters of an inch a month on average. Okay. Some will have their hair colour done every, uh, their regrowth done every two to three weeks. Some will have it done every four to six weeks. So it really does depend on the, yeah, how your hair grows. Also how much you do to it. If you're washing it every day, then it's going to fade quicker. If you're doing it, you know, once a week, then it's not going to fade as long, as much. So it all does depend. It all depends as to whether you're outside all the time, whether you're wearing a hat, you're not, whether you're a swimmer. Um, all of these all add to the length of your hair colour. And a m- most common thing is people often say, oh, my hair didn't last, your know, colour didn't last that long. Yeah. And the first thing I say is, okay, tell me what your lifestyle is like. Yes. And then when they tell me the lifestyle, and because they've come to a new hairdresser because their hair doesn't last, okay, yes. well, Number one is that it's not the colour, it's not the hairdresser, it's actually what you're doing to your hair. Okay. So it's the same thing like with a car. You buy a car, if you don't get, don't put um, air in the tyres, water in the in the radiator, um, fix the oil up, keep running it and not getting a service, what's going to happen yeah. to it? It's not going to last as long. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So the program that we've been just talking about is specifically aimed at young women, isn't it? Yes, it is, from uh, 14 to 18-year-olds. Yeah. And where can people find out more about your Young Women's Program? Well, this particular one is held in Rockingham in uh, Western Australia. Australia. It's on the 24th of um, this month. And I can hold them anywhere. So if um, if people get... um, get up to, you know, um, usually around about 25 to 30 girls, anything more and you'll sort of lose it. So I find usually about that if people are wanting to have them done, um, I'm quite happy to to come over and help. It's usually about $45 uh, for them and I supply lunch um, and drinks and then they get to have a chat and open um, and ask all the questions that they've always wanted to find out. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of these um, programs uh, helping young women with this stuff and it's a lot more complex than it used to be with hair colours and uh, cuts and there's just so much 
variety um, out there as well, isn't there, Kerry? Oh, totally. I mean, you know, um, this year it's been you know forty years in the in the hair and in hair and beauty industry. Even though I've been in the corporate world and everything else, but you always keep your hand in it. And I've you know the technology from what I learnt years ago to what I'm doing now, the technology yeah. has changed massively. Um, yeah. What we wouldn't even think of doing back then, we're now doing now, or what we did back then, we wouldn't dare do now. Um, yes. So, so it is different. Also, the rules and regulations are different as far as hairdressers. So, it's not a really a regulated thing now. So, before okay. you had to have an apprenticeship and and do it. I always say, ask and find out if they are qualified hairdressers, because you okay. can actually just come in and start working at hair, but there's you've got no technical um, background behind you, so um, that makes it really hard. Yeah, that's what it's like in Western Australia. I'm not too sure what it's like in the Eastern States, um, but they banned. You had to have the hairdressing, um, have gone through a hairdressing apprenticeship. Uh, yeah, the majority of salons will go through and do an apprenticeship and yeah. do um, things. But there is the odd few that can just pop up, start doing things, and if anything goes wrong, they've got nothing to come back on. And it oh, makes it really hard. That's really scary. Yeah. While I'm thinking about hairdressing, um, do people still do perms? Yes, and they're coming uh, back. Oh, my goodness, really? Yes, absolutely. So we're calling it more body waves um, rather than a perm because when people think of a perm, they think of a granny old curly hair. Yes, yes. So, um, so with the um, body waves, you, you can get a really nice um, beach look and oh. it's exactly the same as um, colours is that it all depends on the size of the roller how much you do with your hair, what you do, and things like that. Fascinating. Yeah, so that I've just put up your details to for people to contact and ask you about your young women's workshops. Um, Missy said you definitely need a license in the states. Thanks, Missy. Um, yes, in the and yeah. the big plan that you have for this year is about getting young people work ready. So can you tell our listeners what, what those events are going to look like or what those courses, rather, are going to look like? Yeah, so I'm um, working with the Mundaring Chamber of Commerce up here and they've put together um, a seven-week program for year nine to year 12. And what it is, it's called Work Ready Certificate. And it's actually yes. putting um, putting it all together of they can actually teach them how to fill out forms, how to work out um, a super program, how yes. they get their um, um, tax file number. Then it's we've got a recruitment agent coming in and letting them know what they look for when um, what employers are looking for and how they find people. I'm going to be coming in on the customer service side of things. Um how to actually, because nine times out of 10, when you go to a business, often it's the young people that are actually front and letting them know that who the face of the business is the first person that they see in the business. So yes. customer service, the smile, how you speak, how you greet them, um, the consultation or the conversation that you have with them, what employers expect from them. And also number one thing with the young ones, mobile phones. And phone yes. etiquette. You know, um, no mobile phones is that yes. one particular thing when I, I ran a business, the um, we got a young girl in 
and we spoke to her mum on this and, and said, yes, it'll be great. She's looking forward to it. So she rolled up on her first um, first evening and she said, oh, where do I plug in my phone? And I said, you don't. She goes, oh, I, need to, I need to be on Facebook. And I said, no, you're here to work. She said, but how am I going to talk to everyone? I said, when you get to school tomorrow. And she just looked at me like as if, excuse me? So I just said, I don't think this is for you. I think you better call your mum. And so I let her go right there and then because her priority was number one. She was expecting to come in, sit down and sit on her phone while I was going to be paying her to work. (gasps) And I hear that often than not. Yeah. So schools don't discuss subjects like phone etiquette, uh, work-ready, how to set up your own bank account none of the schools seem to do that anymore um some do it really depends as to who they get in and what school it is um i'm going to be looking at um taking um these and the um young women to the private schools there has been um a couple of private schools that i've been doing this with for about six years so i'm wanting to get more in with that um to be able to help them out and and all that. So between um, mentoring business owners um, and then helping their businesses to grow and with working with the young people is where I'm wanting to go this year. Fantastic. Um, It sounds like you've got wonderful plans for 2020, Kerry, and I'm so glad that you've come on the show first up again after holidays when we're all a little bit uh, uh, still in a little bit of holiday mode because in Australia it's summer and everyone tends to have nice long breaks over the Christmas break, probably a little little different in the states i would think because it's cold and it's the middle of winter and um uh, yeah but in australia we tend to have nice long and just getting back into the flow of things in january always proves to be a little bit difficult as you've um probably all noticed from our uh technical issues this morning so kerry i'm going to let you um finish off with talking about anything else you want to in the next couple of minutes what else would you like to tell our listeners today any other big plans in terms of simply brain thinking or you're still progressing on working with your um, various people that you coach and your corporate clients yes Yes, I'm still um, doing all those. I'm heading down to Albany um, next week, which is about a um, five-hour drive away, uh, or six-hour drive away. So I'm spending a couple of days down there with a um, with a colleague um, and helping businesses down there. The other thing that we've got coming up in November is um, a conference in Bali. Now, this is a three-day full-on conference. So they are, everyone arrives, and it's for women only, they arrive in the Monday evening and they leave um, Friday morning and it's all um, collaboration and it's it's understanding you as a business. So these are all business women that ha- already have a business up and running. So it's not for um, upstarts at the moment. Yeah. So it's, it's a matter of getting in, understanding who you are and why you're doing what you're doing, yeah. finding direction as to where you want to go 
and then how to get there. So we've got three of us on board that are doing it. So we have first up will be Chris, and she's from the HR department. And how even a sole trader needs to have a contract, whether they're employing um, a, a, a contractor or they're going to bring someone in on casual, you yes. still need to have the contracts available. Yes. Um, also how to um, the policies and processes how they go on, how to actually set them out, even for yourself as a as a sole trader, and to stick to them and adhere to them. Because when you have these in place, you actually work better as a business. Yes. Then I come in as in um, managing a business, managing the staff, how yeah. to affect, um, effectively do um, create staff meetings, how yeah. to be able to create a great culture within your, um, your business. And so we yeah. go through there. Then the third person to finish off, she has an amazing business on point strategies where she takes the business to the next level and yeah. where to get there and how to be able to move forward. So in the evenings, it will be all motivational as to anyone can get up and tell their story as to yeah. how they got started, why they got started. Um, all three of us have, have a story and we will go through as to why we are where we are at the moment. Then at the end of it, they will all be filling out um, three parts of, of something. And one will be 10 things that I do really well. Yes. The second will be 10 things I want to achieve personally myself this year. Yeah. And then yeah. the third one will be 10 things, 10 goals that they want to achieve business or personal. So what you want to achieve to what you want to do as a goal can be two very different things. Um, so you might want to achieve as in getting better on better with your mother-in-law or be able to be more organized in your home, but you may set a goal that you want to reach a certain budget or reach a certain place within your business or doing that. Then we're gonna send it to them in 12 months time. So that they can have a look and see yeah. where they are and what they've done. And what they've done. Fantastic. Oh, Kerry, it's been lovely chatting to you this morning and we are out of time and needing to bop, pop on a quick break while we get um, Andrea Simmons on our next guest. Thank you, Kerry, for joining us live on Radio Tony today and we're going to pop over to Rebel for a short break. Over to you, Rebel. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Kerry. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audio formats, Resilience is a true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, Memoir of a Broken Little Girl, Discovering a Woman of Strength and Beauty, on the Women for Women Network. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. 
Radio Tony is your safe space for these tough conversations. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audiobook formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Exposing moral issues you may have dealt with too. Read how hope and happiness triumph in her life. Available at Amazon.com and all good online retailers. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony on W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. Bringing social consciousness, this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Hello everyone and welcome back to Radio Tony. Whilst Rebel's trying to get our next delightful guest on the show, just a little bit about Andrea. Andrea Simmons has owned and operated several successful businesses throughout her life and has achieved her milestone of becoming a millionaire at the age of 21. She's also a mother who is dedicated to her family. After having a life-changing experience and losing everything, including almost her life to the drug ice, Andrea began devoting her life to the needs of those suffering from an ice addiction and began educating and informing the community against the dangers and effects of ice use. Over the past couple of years, Andrea has collated uh, with calibrated with several providers nationally to act as a referral point for addicts and families in need. Now implementing in Australia the proven role model program successfully run in the US for the past 10 years and dramatically reducing ice use over eight states. The Australian anti-ice campaign programs consist of school education, community forums, youth engagement events, social media saturation, natural national billboards and TV commercials, all with outstanding results. Further to this, Andrea has partnered up with the Optimal Health Group to deliver training to communities throughout Australia, equipping them with early intervention tools to help people in addiction create pathways into recovery and help establish family support groups within communities. AAIC has trained lived, experienced buddies to deliver educational workshops to carry out brief intervention with people entrapped in addiction and help them create pathways to recovery. Uh, Australian Anti-Ice Campaign's office is Global Care. 
they work with kids, adults and families in the community and overseas and have done so for several years. I'm extremely excited to have Andrea on the show this morning and welcome to Radio Tony, Andrea. Good morning, Tony. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so delighted to have you here. We've had a number of technical issues with Skype this morning um, at our first uh show back this year. So I thought we'd start and tell everyone a little bit about the Australian Anti-Ice Campaign. Sure. Australian Anti-Ice Campaign was founded in order to educate and raise awareness about the dangers of the drug called ice or methamphetamine, um, as well as other drugs through lived experience. So um, myself, I was introduced to ICE um, over eight years ago or nine years ago now um, by somebody that I trusted um, and had known for 13 years and somebody that I cared for um, and I didn't think it was a big deal. Um, I, you know, engaged in smoking something that looked fairly innocent um, with a little glass pipe that took me into a spiral, uh, into hell and out of control, losing my whole life um, and, and myself in the process. Um, and, Tony, I am, I am really blessed to be alive, um, not unscarred, but um, I am blessed to be alive after a two-year entrapment in ice addiction where, you know, my whole being, um, my mental state um, was taken over um, by this drug and the drug took control of me um, very, very quickly. Um, and it was I just the once you tried it, wasn't it, Andrea? Just the once you tried it. It was just the once. And I, I you know, I thought everybody, any, you know, people try stuff, you know. Um, yes. I hadn't really, I, I didn't do any drugs when I was younger. And I thought, well, it's just something you smoke. It, it, it can't be that bad. I'll just have a, a feel of what it's like. And I won't do it again, but I just wanted to see what it felt like, you know. I didn't realise it was what ice was or what was in it. I didn't understand what it was about to do to my brain and, and the fact that I was going to get addicted very, very first time I touched that and I couldn't stop because it became like air, very quickly became like air. You know, it was um, – I had no idea and I was so, you know, innocent to, um, you know – to, to the realities of what happens in that what we call ice world, um, you know, you don't – everybody hears don't do drugs, it's bad for you, but, you know, you see people um, that have tried drugs and, you know, they seem to come out, you know, from the exterior, they seem to come out fairly unscarred, you know, but you don't see what happens inside the person both on a physical level um, and inside the brain and inside the organs and the long-term – impact of that on not only yourself but everybody your life you know your whole life yeah so it's really scary how quickly this horrible drug takes over people's lives isn't it it certainly is and it's so readily available to our community um you know ice is a uh, it's a global problem, but Australia are uh, the highest ice users per capita in the world. Really? And that, yeah. yeah. Even higher than the US? 
Absolutely. Per capita for the quantity of people we have here, we're the highest ice users in the world. Um, and that is really, really scary. And I think that Australia is really not taking it on seriously enough because back in 2015, we could gauge by the National Task Force report that 27 youth a day were becoming addicted to ice in our country. Every day, another 27 youth are becoming addicted to ice in our country. And that is an epidemic. You know, we don't have enough resources to, to look after that. You know, we've got mental health uh, services blown out of proportion, tripled yes. last year, um, homelessness, domestic violence, you know, policing have increased and, you know, we're not going to fight this by force. We have to reduce demand and the only way to do that is to get people like myself who have escaped that hell and have managed to come out of that world um, to come back and to educate our kids and the reality is that only two percent of people that become addicted to ice only two of them come out <gasps> oh my goodness only two percent so you're you yourself are in that tiny little two percent of people that escape from ice addiction so i'm assuming that the rest either end up in jail or dead Absolutely. It's it, the end result, like we explained to the kids, you know, people around us, um, the end result is death, um, mental health institutes for life because they sometimes you don't come out of psychosis in, in ice addiction and, you know, you get severely damaged, you know, and you end up either dead or in prison or in mental health institutes and that's, you know, I don't wish that upon any child, any person. Um, that's so sad. It's really, That's really sad. And we help families every day helping their loved ones that are entrapped in that world, Tony. Um, and, you know, and it's all over Australia, isn't it? Absolutely. We have teams. Um, we have 124 volunteers around Australia. We're pleading with the government for funding. Um, yes. We are talking to people in the corporate sector. Um, you know, we need to do something and we need to bond together like we have um, regarding the fires. This is... Yes affecting every family and if people sometimes think that it's not affecting them they think oh well no my kids are okay I was 40 years old when I was introduced to this drug you know I came from a good background I had businesses I raised family you know I made you know I had I left Melbourne um, in my 20s with 10 properties behind me I smoked it all you know I destroyed my life and yes. you're not immune to it, you know. I didn't have a, a drug background. I didn't have a reason to go into that world. But we're finding more and more today people, it's With just... no drug background. No, they don't realise, you know, it's not just what you see on TV. Ice just doesn't come in the little white packets. You know, it can be pink. It can be called Tina, strawberry quick. You know, it can be purple. It can be in a pill form. It can be in water. Um, but we need to warn our, you know, our next... Yeah. I again I thought it was a white powder that you had to smoke I was completely unaware of the different colors and the different availability so for our listeners how obviously just don't try drugs because you don't know if you're getting ice and you're going to be immediately addicted to this horrible drug is that correct What's happening, Tony, they are lacing marijuana with ice. 
And what's happening is people go, oh, it's just a bit of pot. But they don't understand that, you know, they want your return business and they want you to become addicted because they're making money to survive their own addiction and they're lacing it you know they 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 they're, they're drying it out in ice so you actually and we've had that proven um from somebody that came to um for help with us we've had her her marijuana we told her to go and get it tested and it was laced and i didn't believe it myself at the beginning but they are cutting ecstasy tablets with ice to get the kids to come back and you know be really addicted to the to the chemical and it's it's cheap you know, um, it's cheaper than any other drug and it's cheaper than cigarettes, it's cheaper than alcohol, um, it's everywhere on the streets and nobody, no child, no person is immune to falling into the mistake of thinking, oh, I'll just take this pill once, I'll just smoke this pipe once. Um, maybe it might not be introduced in a pipe, maybe it might be in a light globe, maybe it might be, um, you know, in some foil, maybe they'll snort it, maybe, you know, but you have to know what it is and what it's going to do to you. So our message is not even once. Please don't go there. You'll destroy your life. Yeah. So, Andrea, you are the head of the anti-ice campaign for Australia and you operate all over Australia, but you uh, can help people from all over the world. Is that my correct understanding? That is correct. Yes, we do. We have a, a really amazing care team. Um, I founded, well, you know, it's by the glory of God that I'm alive and, and I believe that yes. there's been, you know, God influence, you know, because that's love, you know, for humanity and, um, you know, not wanting anybody else to experience what I'd gone through. Um, that's how AIC was birthed. And we, we've been able to help people in New Zealand. Um, you know, we've been able to help people all around Australia because we have an ext a, a really unique budding service that we call it. Yeah. We have a care team um, and they do two things. They're on the phone 24-7 and online 24-7. And they um, have people who have been trained that have had lived experience and they buddy up. So they, you know, come beside the person that needs the support um, and we help them create, help people create a pathway into recovery um, and put them on what we call a tripod system of support. So um, over a 30-year period, Optimal Health Group have trialled um, the tripod system of support and with, with a high success rate of recovery, which we call that community, reco community rehab um, and you know, it works a lot, um, really, really well. And what that looks like, Tony, is that, you know, the, the buddy comes along, which is, you know, like a friend, somebody that supports the person. It's a peer support. Um, and we engage them with a, an, a drug and alcohol counsellor that they can start seeing. Um, we also encourage people to um, go and see their local doctor to get in any prescriptions that they may need to help with any side effects and symptoms they may be going through, like psychosis. Um, we also help them connect to their local NA or AA group so that they can get the group therapy part done as well because we encourage 40 meetings in 40 days um, for people to get a run start, you know, um, in into their recovery plan. And, um, you know, we a lot of times that is sufficient to help somebody stay on track. If not, we help them create a pathway into detox and into rehab, a residential rehab. 
So that's, okay. we do that for people in addiction, but we also help families understand uh, what's happening in the mind of their one, how uh, we can with services that provide family support so they can understand um, and not enabling their child or their loved one to continue using and, you know, where those safe boundaries of love are um, and, you know, how to get them to a point to sit down and do a brief intervention, you know, what is that going to look like if you keep using What's it? What's you know? What are you losing from living this life? And um and and pretty much we teach people how to have that conversation with their loved one, and stand with them to help them with the resources they need for for rehab for their loved one. So it's a very unique service that we provide, and we can do this um, worldwide. Absolutely. What an amazing service! So Andrea. How can people get involved? I know you have some very immediate needs um, here on the Gold Coast at the moment. Can you tell our listeners what they are? Absolutely. We are um, a, a DGR, non-for-profit charity. We have 124 volunteers Australia-wide um, and, and then we have some volunteers in New Zealand as well. Um, we uh, operate solely on the community support and um, donations and, uh, you know, the community help us stay, keep, continue doing what we're doing with for resources. And we were gifted some offices to work out of um, for a year and a half. And um, unfortunately, through the floods and the storm, um, the roof caved in and the whole building now needs to be demolished. So we've been evacuated from there. Um, which has been really devastating over Christmas because at Christmas time is our highest, you know, call period for, um, for people wanting help. Um, so it's been a very difficult time for us. Um, and yeah, we're just we're looking for a new home somewhere that um, that we can work out of. Um, and, you know, fin some financial support. Um, the insurance um, will cover some of our our computers and goods, but because uh, we, we, we don't have the finances to pay rent, um, we no longer have a space to work out of. So we, we're doing a call out so to the community. Desperately in need of a space for the anti-ice campaign to live. Um, yeah. Where you can operate and still deliver these awesome services to the people that need it. So um, people, if you're listening today, I've put up all of Andrea's contact details, the Anti-Ice Campaign website um, in the chat box. And, and just for those listeners, if you're not on the chat at the moment, it's the Ant Australian Anti-Ice Campaign.org.au. That's A-U-S-T-R-A-L-I-A-N. A N T I I C E C A M P A I G N dot org dot A U. Um, Andrea provides such an amazing service to people who are in the grips of this horrible drug, um, and she needs help promoting her message of not even once. So even if you want to jump onto her website and grab her information and promote it across your social media i've also put up her facebook um, page and i'm going to put that up yet again if any of you know anyone who has a space available to help this uh, wonderful community uh, group out please 
getting in contact with Andrea and let her know. Um, if you feel that you'd like to, to donate to this amazing not-for-profit group and help people in the grips of addiction, please reach out to Andrea. Andrea, she would very much appreciate your help. And Andrea, before we completely run out of time, one last word, one last minute. Tony, we have a uh, army, the AAIC army, that I encourage everybody to join. Um, in that army, once you join, it's free. Um, you can sign a petition to government um, to help fund yes. our program um, and you can make a donation there if you choose, but you will then receive regular information about um, ICE and the dangers of it. We're in the process of putting finalising an e-book that we're going to be sending out to all our or everybody that joins the army um, so that they can be well informed about the different names and the different types and what it actually does to the brain and to somebody that tries this drug so there'll be lots of videos on their ebook and there'll be lots of information that is critical for every person in Australia to know so I encourage everybody to join the AAIC army and that can be found on our website it's www.australianantiicecampaign.com so Fantastic, Andrea. We are completely out of time today. We've had a number of technical hiccups and I have to go. I have put all those details up in my uh, chat box. I will put them also on Radio Tony's Facebook page and so that people can join and connect with Andrea. And just one last shout out. These guys are desperately in need of a space to deliver their services from um, an office space preferably and if you have any information you know anyone who can help please contact Andrea from, from the Australian Anti-Ice Campaign um, we are completely out of time thank you so much my wonderful listeners welcome back to Radio Tony for another year um, and thank you very much to our guests uh, Ludwina Rhonda Kerry, and finally, the amazing Andrea. Thank you so much, Tony. Thanks, Andrea. Over to you, Rebel. Bye, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty radio 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 tony available now on amazon.com and in all good bookstores radio tony back next thursday from 7 p.m eastern standard time live from the gold coast australia Mom.